Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and Friends, where today I continue my conversation with my friend Michelle Woods about red flags for dating couples. And pay attention to how she interacts with her dad or how he interacts with his mom, because those are great indicators of how well that person is able to bond with the opposite sex. Because yeah. I, th- I think that we are imprinted by our opposite sex parent, that we are worthy mm-hmm. of attention and affection and relationship. And if that relationship has been broken and strained from the beginning and has never been healthy, then that individual may have a difficult time staying bonded and connected long-term. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that would definitely yeah. be something to bring up in the premarital counseling, which I highly recommend to people. Actually, I recommend a step before that, what about pre-engagement counseling? I mean, that a lot of the coaching that I have done with single people who have then met someone is don't wait until you're engaged and you've set a wedding date to start doing premarital coaching. Do pre-engagement coaching where you can talk through these things before you even decide for sure that getting married to this person and spending the rest of their life committed to them is what you really want to do. I think the word coaching feels different than counseling. And from my experience, like maybe women are open to counseling, but guys, when they hear that word, they're like, Oh, I don't, I don't need that. Or I'd never do that. Or why don't, we don't need that. That's for broken but, people. That's for crazy people. Yes. That's for sick right. people. That's one of the main reasons that I do coaching instead of counseling. I have a master's in counseling. I, I could be a counselor, but then I wouldn't be able to, um, to have clients in other states other than where I am licensed. Mm-hmm. So from right. the beginning of my coaching career, I knew that I, I didn't want to do the LPC route. So yes, I do coaching because men can catch a vision for that. It's like, they know that if I want to be really good at something, I need a coach. If I want to be a professional at something, I need a coach. Uh, oftentimes they'll have business coaches or fitness coaches. So the idea of having a relationship coach doesn't seem that out of the ordinary. So yeah, you, you right. definitely hit the nail on the head there. So having a relationship yeah. coach, having a pre-engagement coaching series, having a pre-marriage coaching series, very, very smart. I love the clients that I've been able to work with some of them for like a decade now that mm-hmm. maybe I started out with them when they were newly divorced and I help them get back on their feet and get enough wind back in their cells to start dating again. And then I walked alongside them as they kind of weeded through the ones that they didn't want to spend the rest of their life mm-hmm. with and then navigate the new relationship with the person that they did want to be with and that now they're married and now they have a blended family and that I get to be a coach yeah. to the whole family unit. Like nothing gives me more joy than to kind of be a lifespan coach in a person's yeah. life. So yeah. I digress. Well, and, well, I was going to say too, the older you get, the harder it is, I think, to merge your life with somebody just because of your past and the baggage that comes with that, you know, marrying Brian at how old was I? 35, you know, was different than when I got married when I was 20. Yeah. So coaching, especially later in life would be such a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think after you get married. Like, I remember thinking, I didn't need premarital counseling. I need 
like after marriage counseling. <laughs> when the um, veil going, lifts and you see the reality of what yeah. you've gotten yourself into. <laughs> when the honeymoon phase uh, is over, yeah. that's when you're like, okay, what? Well, how do we get through this or, you know, communicate mm-hmm. this or that or so. Absolutely. Yeah. Dude, I'll digress as well. Yeah, I will allow it. Uh, Charlie and I were 51 and 52, and we both had a lifetime accumulation of stuff. And so much of it was professional stuff of just, you know, books and play therapy equipment and, you know, workshop stuff. And yeah, combining all that was a huge challenge. So even talking about things like what you perceive your lifestyle to be, what, what you perceive or how you feel as if, committing your life to that person is going to impact your life long-term. Like what are the concessions that are going to have to be made? Um, For example, you know, Charlie, let me know that as a professor, he has to go where the job is. So he let me know early on, I'm not planning on staying at EKU long-term. So marrying me would be moving to Kentucky because there was not a university for him in Chattanooga but it would also mean another move down the road when he found his permanent place. And I let him know that I'm mobile. I can, I can do what I do from wherever in the world, but I would always want to do workshops in my home. So we wouldn't be able to just, you know, have a tiny condo somewhere. Like I would want a place where I could do what I do and that I'm so passionate about. Unfortunately, he's passionate about doing it with me. So yeah, talking about those things really early on. So we have really digressed, but hopefully it's given people fodder for navigating these conversations that are very, very important. Okay. So here's the next one. If that person, if your new partner feels the need to uh, have constant surveillance or they're like a helicopter girlfriend or helicopter boyfriend and they kind of hover over you and you feel smothered and like they always want an accounting of where you are and and how long you're going to be. And that is often an indicator that that person has been deeply betrayed by someone, mm-hmm. probably cheated on, and that this is an emotional trigger for them, that they feel out of control if they don't know everything about your whereabouts and your goings on. And that may be totally new to you. That may be something that you have to adapt to and discern if if this is an appropriate level of surveillance or if this is insecurities barking or the need to control is a red flag that this mm-hmm. person feels the need to control in a lot of different areas that this is just one of right. Me. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, do I even say anything? But you know, most people know somewhat like bits and pieces of my past, but I did experience that. Um, but it was because he didn't trust me because of how we started our relationship, you know? So, um, eventually that would have had to change, you know, and if we didn't trust each other or there was an insecurity there, it wouldn't have worked anyways. But, but that is one thing that that's tough to, to want to be trusted and, but, you know, to feel like you're checked in on and, you know, kept on a short leash. Figure out, yeah. Just figure out why, like you're saying, like what, um, what is it that makes someone want or feel the need to do that? I right. Guess. Well, it all boils down to relationships are built on trust. And in a new mm-hmm. relationship, 
there needs to be a clean slate. You can't bring your old distrusting baggage into a new relationship and expect that that partner should be okay with it. You need to assume the best in each other. And if something happens that puts a ding in your trust that makes you feel as if there needs to be more surveillance, then cross that bridge when you get to it. But don't start out that way. So, yeah, it reminds me of a story that I'm a little embarrassed to have to tell, but um, I think it's very applicable to the scenario. I just thought I can trust Charlie so much. Like there was not an ounce of distrust. And this was probably a year and a half into our relationship And I decided that I was going to surprise him at the office with a bunch of groceries to fill his little office refrigerator. And I show up and uh, his office door is locked. And I asked the secretary, like, you know, where's Charlie? Is he in a meeting or something? And she said, Charlie hasn't been in yet today. And I'm like, what? Like, he left the house this morning saying, I got to get to work early. And so I called him and said, hey, where are you? And he said, I'm in my office. Oh no. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Like immediately my head was like, you know, what woman's house are you at? You know, like, what is going on here? Like my whole world just felt like it was shaking. Yeah. And I was like, Charlie, I'm standing in front of your office door. It's locked. The secretary says that you're haven't that you haven't even been in today. And he said, I'm I'm taking care of something. You'll know later. And all afternoon, I'm just like on pins and needles going, what is going on here? What what did I miss? How did I miss this huge sign that he can't be trusted? He shows up with a, a trunk full of camping gear for a trip that we were taking that weekend. He wanted to surprise me with tents and backpacks and all that. And so I felt so stupid that I had just felt him. awful. So I know I should. I, but I know that it's easy when... When you think that someone is not shooting straight with you, your head goes to that worst, you know, worst case scenario place, but give it time before you panic and, and flesh it out. But yeah, if, if you see some signs of dishonesty and distrust, and there's not a logical explanation that makes total sense when it all comes into light, I would say that that cliche of, screw me once, shame on you, screw me twice, shame on me, the, the yes. fool, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, right. shame on me. Like don't stay in a relationship where there is a pattern of inconsistencies and dishonesties. And that if your right. trust is shaken, you are not going to be able to build very high on that shaky foundation. So, right. All right. So red flag number five, I think that we have zipped through all of them. Yep. Red flag number five. Poor conflict resolution skills. There's mm-hmm. going to be conflict in every relationship. Relationships are not just where you make love and make joy and make memories and all these good, warm, fuzzy things together. Relationships are also where your old family baggage comes up. It's where your emotional triggers get triggered. It's yeah. where your anxieties will surface. It is a crucible that all the impurities will rise to the top. And for a person to have very poor conflict resolution skills, it will rock your world from here to eternity. They have Mm -hmm. to be able to sit down 
and be vulnerable about what they're thinking and what they're feeling and what they need from you. And they have to be willing to listen to you talk about what you're thinking and what you're feeling and what certain things represented to you and what you needed and be able to, to try their best to give you that comfort and that security and that trust um, and that, that connection that we all crave. So have you ever been in a relationship with someone who had horrible conflict resolution skills? (laughs) (laughs) sorry to put you on the spot like that we don't have to go there I had to pull me on the spot girl well (laughs) I'm just thinking back to multiple relationships and not just one in particular but I'll never forget when I started coaching with you um and you know I was trying to figure out how to work things out or not or what to do uh with my ex-husband now um But one of the things you talked about was the communication styles, Mm -hmm. which I had never, is that what it's called? Attachment styles. Mm -hmm. Is that the the same thing? The avoider, people pleaser, vacillator, controller, and victim. Yes. So (laughs) we need to do a show on that. Yes. That is a whole separate topic uh, and show on its own. But that was so helpful to me because I understood, you know, why he viewed me a certain way or viewed things that I did or said a certain way, because he was looking at it through his lens and, you know, I meant something different. And so, you know, we had a great relationship, but we did struggle, especially towards the end, you know, with, um, knowing how to filter through what the other one means and, Mm -hmm. um, taking things wrong. And so, you know, that's something that is super, super important to me. Sure. And that I learned through you, um, is how to, how to understand the other person. Mm -hmm. So you can solve, uh, conflict in a healthy way. Right. Uh, I remember one individual that I saw for a period of time, total love bomb, love bomb, love bomb. I thought he was just the greatest thing, but our first big argument, he exploded in like major temper tantrum, like physically violent exploded, not physically violent toward me, but just, you know, slamming keys down and slamming doors and making a big scene. And I was just shocked and I should have paid attention to that more so. And that's why it made my red flag list um, that over time that proved to be a pattern. And yeah. that was just not something that I could do. Uh, I recognized it as some borderline tendencies, uh, which were confirmed mm-hmm. by a counselor. And so that just, I can't stress enough that if you're in a relationship that the person seems so wonderful, except when there's a high degree of tension and then they become a totally different person, like Jekyll and Hyde, like a totally different person. Don't just walk away from that relationship, run. So what about when it comes to this topic, when the the other person just withdraws and it's not that they explode and freak out, but they withdraw and they won't talk to you and they won't, address anything or, Hey, what's wrong? What's going on? Nothing, you know, sulky, pouty, frustrating too. Yeah. That's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. Some people explode and get violent and, and scream and 
and the tension just sends them over the edge. Other people, the tension sends them withdrawing into a cave. And it could be yeah. one of two things. Either they have a tendency to be passive aggressive, and that is their conflict resolution style, which does not resolve conflicts. It only exacerbates them, especially with personalities like mine and yours that need to talk about things and chew on things. <laughs> but it could also be a sign, I've had to learn being married to Charlie, that that you're married to an introvert because yeah. introverts need time, space, and distance to process things mm -hmm. before they know how they feel about it and before they're able to verbalize yeah. it. So it's not that they're being passive aggressive. They're just not ready to talk about it yet. But when they process it enough that they're able to come back, then they're able to engage in a really healthy way. So if the person can, I basically tell couples, do not even think about getting engaged or married until you have had a minimum of three really intense arguments because you need to see what yeah. this person's conflict resolution style is. This will not just yeah. be the person that you make love with. This will also be the person that you make war with. And if they mm -hmm. don't war well, if they don't, if, if they don't battle fairly, if they don't fight fairly, then you're in for a lot of anxiety in the coming years. So as we wrap up, Michelle, I want to give a quick word of encouragement to all those people who are still single or who find themselves newly single, uh, who have gone through a divorce, who've gone through a breakup, who have lost a partner to death, or who have just never found their life partner at all. I think that there's this feeling in society, and I was not aware of this until I became single. There is this feeling of overwhelming shame. And I don't know if it's a particular person or group of people or, you know, like I, I don't think that it's intentional, but there seems to be this feeling that if you can't create and keep and maintain a healthy relationship, there must be something really, really wrong with you. Wrong. Or, or the flip side of that coin, and this is directed specifically to women. Um, if you need a relationship, there's something wrong with you. Nothing could be further from the truth. I think that God wired us for connection and for a relationship. And the fact that you want a relationship or that you want to rebuild a new relationship with a new person after a devastating loss, there is nothing wrong with you for that. And you, you had mentioned that you wanted me to go in this direction. You had something that you wanted to add. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about when I was single and I actually had a conversation with a friend at lunch this week about it. Um, you know, being single, I guess I finally got to that point where being alone didn't mean that I was lonely and being alone meant that I was strong enough to be alone. There you, you go. Know, I, used to, I used to look at people that ate dinner by themselves or went to a movie by themselves or sat at church by themselves. Like, oh, I feel so sorry for them. You know, that kind of mm. feel. But then when I became one of those people <laughs> that did things by themselves, it took a long time. But I was like, dang, like, I'm good. Like I can go do things and not have to have somebody. Yes. And it's empowering those single, those single years. And for me, you know, I did date, I did have a couple relationships before I met Brian, but the time where I didn't have any one that I was calling or, you know, wanting attention from or craving companionship with like, those were the months that I, I got ready. 
for Brian. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. There is so, so much healing pray. that takes place when yeah. the only person that you have to focus mm-hmm. on is yourself. Yeah. I, yes. I had a, a several months stint of that too, where it was like, you know what? I'm just not going to date at all. I'm just going to focus on exactly what you said, going to church, taking care of my own emotional needs, cultivating friendships, experiencing right. the, the new city that I was in and the culture and taking myself out to eat and yeah, take time right. for self-care and discover things about yourself that you didn't even know. And then when you come into a relationship, you have a newfound sense of, of just self-respect and worth. And you're, you don't feel so needy and desperate for someone else to affirm you because you have already done that for yourself. I also remember back to reading a book called option B by Sheryl Sandberg. She's um, uh, one of the officers of Facebook and she lost her husband to death. And um, in one of the later chapters, she talks about how as time went by, she felt ready to start dating again. And that yeah. she felt as if some people, even within her own family, were shaming her for that. And mm-hmm. she said that men, when they are widowed, most often, like overwhelmingly, I forgot what the percentage is, but overwhelmingly, the vast majority will remarry within a year of being widowed, but that there is this shame put on women for feeling the need to move on and remarry. And I just want to say to all you ladies out there, there is no shame in wanting a relationship. This is how God wired us. And we are so sorry Mm -hmm. for any feelings of failure that you've had of not being able to cultivate the relationship that you want or not being able to maintain the relationship that you want, but do not give up hope because you never know the, the next one right around the corner may be the one where there is compatibility right. and there is trust and they do have good conflict resolution skills and they don't right. keep you on a short leash and they aren't trying to love bomb you and they aren't trying to rush into sex too fast. And you have every indicator that this could be something healthy. Like I think that you and I can both attest to the fact that it is so worth the wait for that one yeah. great person. Don't right. settle for someone that you don't feel that connection and that chemistry and that trust and that passion and and, and that desire to be in a committed relationship with, don't settle right. for anything less than that. Well, and something else that I learned was that, you know, you may be meant to be single for a longer period. Um, if that's your journey, you know, it may just be a few months, but if I wouldn't have waited and, um, gotten myself to a healthy place, you know, like I didn't know what was on the other side and what Brian was going through on his end. So, you know, think about that too, that the person you're meant to be with may be going through something that, you know, if you met them now, when you're ready and you're lonely and you need someone, it would, they may not be ready. Right. So that's something else that, I've looking back, I can see. Um, and I think about that all the time of mm-hmm. my, during my single phase. Yep. Th- that God may have you in a season of waiting, not because you're not ready, but because the mate yeah. that he has for you yeah. is not ready. Yeah. Um, and Absolutely. So, yeah, I hope that this has been encouraging to all you, all the single ladies and all the single men and another, <laughs> another cheesy song came to my mind too. I'm sorry. I think in songs it's, it's how it's you who I am. Song- I'm, I am a song person. Um, 
God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. Like, isn't that how you have felt with Brian? I know I certainly felt that with Charlie. If I had to redo everything that has happened in my life, just so I could get to this point with this person Mm -hmm. in this season, I would do it all again. It, it, it was all worth it just to land where I've landed because what I said to someone recently is that I feel as if I have finally stepped in to my own skin, my own spirit, my own life. Like I feel as if the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place and that this was what I was always destined for, but I had to travel those bumpy roads before to ever get to this place. And so I, I, I pray that for everyone. I pray that everyone would arrive at a place in their lives where they feel as if this life in this relationship, this love that I have found, it fits me like a glove. Not that it's perfect. Not that it doesn't stretch me at times. Not that it doesn't grow me up and make me put on my big girl panties or my big boy boxers sometimes, (laughs) but that for the most part, it's where I find a sense of connection and purpose to partner together, arm in arm with this person and do life together. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. Your Shannon stars have aligned is what you're saying. <laughs> so there you have our five red flags for dating relationships. And we thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. We love you for listening. And we thank you for tapping on us. <laughs>